Hello and welcome to Splatter Chatter, where October never dies. I am one of your hosts and the only host currently present, uh, Miss Melmoy, and I, well, Melanie, um, and I am here with a friend of the podcast who has been on episodes before, Matt Shore. Hi there, how are you? Yeah. Very exciting stuff. Uh, Matt is here to share a new project with us. As you will remember last time we had him on, he shared his um, comic project, Moby Dick, Back from the Deep. Um, and we talked a bit about some of his other comic projects. I still think about the uh, the, the Jesus Christ demon slayers, <laughs> about the uh, his, his journey down into hell. Um, that one gets the most chat. Uh, people talk about that one a lot. Yeah, no, it's it's. I have I have yet to actually sit down and read it, but I just I love the concept of it and the artwork looked incredible. Um, but Matt is here to talk about a new project, um, which we will dive into on this. Um, I was trying to come up with a clever name for this sort of mini episode, like all day. I was like, what's what's a punny or like an alliterative word for small? but also sounds good with splatter and chatter, and I just have not yet come up with one. <laughs> um, okay. So I'm just calling it a mini episode right now. If you, if, you have, if you have any fun ideas or anybody else out there has any fun ideas for what we could call something like this, uh, a small splatter or <laughs> something. <laughs> Craig's better with the, uh, with the, nif- the like, sort of nifty fun names, so... If, if something anything, hits me, I'll let you know. Yeah, just shout it out in the middle. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're going to dive right in. We'll do a little bit of a, you know, an intro. How are you? How have you been? Um, we went over in our last episode, basically what we've been doing for the past seven months. Um, how have you been uh, since last we spoke, since last uh, everything went down? And what sort of um, horror content has been keeping you sane <laughs> like everyone else i've been living in a hole in the ground mm-hmm. <laughs> we uh, uh we did actually ironically move into a new house in the middle of all oh this it was it was just time yeah but uh, the the nice part was once we were settled in uh i went back to i've been working from home so i i kept doing that and uh, the one nice thing about working from home is uh, in the past since I have a wife and two kids who are not at all into horror as much as I am, I never had a chance to watch any of it. Hmm. But now, now that I actually have a little bit of time, like on my lunch breaks, I can actually uh, set aside and start watching some horror stuff again. So I'm right now, I'm really looking forward to finding time to watch uh, the haunting of, I believe it's Bly Manor. Oh yes. yes, Am I saying that right? Yeah. Because I really love the haunting of Hill house. That was so good. Yeah. Uh, So I'm pretty eager to check out the follow up. Yes, I, that is actually the most recent thing I think I dove in. I've been keeping, like, I, like, with, like, you, um, with working from home, I've been able to, like, kind of have more on in the background, um, and I've been trying to keep up with, uh, you know, the freeform 31 Nights of Halloween. Um, mm-hmm. Mostly that's, you know, the fun stuff that they do play, like, they do the craft and scream and stuff. Um, so I've also been doing some of that. Um, but yes, I finished Bly Manor last week um and it actually kicked off i've actually decided with a friend to do a sort of like netflix party rewatch of hill house and then rewatch bly manor again um enjoyed it a lot enjoyed a lot uh quite different from hill house obviously not even just in content but um it's uh 
it was very interesting. It was very good. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, well, cool. I look yeah. forward to it. Yeah. Um, so what have you, so this past October, it's interesting because I felt that weirdly enough, and maybe it's because I've just had more time to like sit and think with my, you know, sit with my thoughts. <laughs> um, but I felt that this past October has felt a little bit, maybe even more Halloweeny than, than last year. Um, for me personally, and I think it's maybe just because I've been able to sort of engage with more content more, um, actually experience like fall weather by going outside on like, you know, lunch or for 15 minutes when I'm, you know, need to get out of the apartment. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, what have you done sort of like in the past, you know, a couple weeks in this sort of altered spooky season? Have you found any fun sort of socially distant <laughs> ways to do things or... We have done a couple of things. One of the things is that despite not being super into horror, my wife is fanatically into Halloween as much as I am. Mm -hmm. And we've always been the, the big decorators in our neighborhood. So now in a brand new neighborhood, we were pretty eager to really oh, tell everybody who we were claim. right away. So yeah, we we went all out with all of our decorations. It's it's a massive, like our entire lawn is a sprawling uh word i'm looking for a shrine mm -hmm. almost to halloween nice. we've got like full-size skeletons out there we have a whole cemetery uh we have a gigantic like seven foot wide spider out there that we've nicknamed aragog uh we have you know ghost projections on the windows like all kinds of stuff and i just we've been hearing comments from all kinds of people in the neighborhood are, are pretty excited by it and I don't know if this is because of us being here or not, but since then we've seen so many different homes in this in our neighborhood suddenly really go all out for Halloween. And we had driven through this neighborhood before we moved here, and that wasn't the case. So I don't know if we get to take credit for it, but we're going to. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so there's yeah, that's a big one. And another thing, I'm kind of proud of this. Uh, I consider this a testament to ingenuity. We had planned on uh, going out to the zoo once, but with the, the onset of uh, the, the second wave of COVID, we just said, you know what, that, that's probably not safe. And I wanted some kind of alternative. So I, I took down one of our projectors and we got one of our little blow up pools. We blew it up and put a bunch of blankets in it and we popped some popcorn. And I set the projector up on our garage door, which is all white. And we watched Hocus Pocus outside. Oh, that sounds like the what you see in the like Instagram pictures that it, it is. Up. We put it on Instagram. Oh, that's it's <laughs> very exciting. No, that's that's like that sounds like the ideal. Um, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I noticed even when I went into Target, like kind of you know because I've been staking out Target since like August, waiting for them to you know put out their Halloween decorations and stuff. Um, mm. I felt people got very into it this year, probably because you know what. What else are we going to do? Um, I did right. not. I did. I mean, I did as much as I could in my, you know, 650 foot apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Um, and I will put a picture up on Twitter when it's finished. I made my project this October, um, a sort of cardboard crafted, uh, little haunted house that kind of sits on a, on a shelf, kind of like how you have like tiny Christmas towns. I have my tiny... Uh very very cool yeah um that was my the big heft of it actually was kind of undertaken yesterday um so pretty excited to sit that out for me and 
you know, the bugs that live in my apartment to enjoy. <laughs> um, yeah, normally I like to do, there's this, I, they have them in various cities, so I'm not sure if there's one by you. Um, Glow, which is this thing where basically they, like, do these amazing, like, um, jack-o'-lantern-like tableaus and sculptures, and you get a time ticket, and you walk through in the dark, and it's awesome. Uh, they didn't do it this year in Philly. I know in some cities they did drive-through versions of that. Um, that is usually a thing that I really look forward to in October that I did not do, um, which, you know, all of that's for the best. Um, but I did have some, some hot cider finally over the past weekend, so... I have. I feel I haven't done that oh, nice. in a very long time. <laughs> I've not had that yet, but I have been uh, gorging myself on some pumpkin spice uh, mm -hmm. coffee. Yes, yes. I I also am with you on that. Um, it was that was another thing where I constantly went back to the grocery store to be like, "Do you have it yet?" Like you know, you put Christmas stuff up in <laughs> August, but you won't put pumpkin spice out. Um, I also I did have my favorite. Uh, sorry, what'd you say? I have complained about that a lot. <laughs> I know you have. Already I know it's back Christmas there. Stuff. It's just sitting in the, the back. Um, I did also have my favorite uh, pumpkin beer, which is a fun horror theme as well. It's by Two Roads Brewing, and it's called Rhodes Mary's Baby. Um, okay. It's very good. <laughs> That's good. Yes. Um, and it has a fun little uh, design on the cover as well. Um, very cool. Yeah. So um, we're recording this about... Little six days away, I guess, actually, from uh, mm -hmm. the the big day, which unfortunately, Counting like down. of all the of all the years, like we've got a full moon, we've got um, Saturday night daylight savings, and we've got a global crisis. <laughs> oh yeah, so yeah, and I don't know what it's like where you are, but they're projecting perfect weather for where we live. Yeah, too, so. I I did look that up. It was it, like high of 55 and not a cloud in the sky and yeah it's so unfair <laughs> yeah it's i feel really i do feel really bad for the kids who uh you know like because i remember that was my big thing in in school was you know having to trick-or-treat on like wednesday <clears throat> night and be in school the next day um yeah I, i'm pretty sure our neighborhood is going to trick-or-treat mm -hmm. uh we're not taking our kids out i'm, I'm just not going to risk that but since I know they're coming, we've built, I don't know if anybody's heard of like the candy slide. Yes, where, I've, I've uh, seen versions of this on, on the yeah, internet. Ours is not going to be so pretty. I'm not painting it or doing anything with it. I've, I've just got a couple of sawhorses and a big pipe. I'm just going to like duct tape it together. It only has to work for one night because I feel pretty optimistic that we won't have to do this again next year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. I don't need it to be permanent. It was funny seeing, because I have I, some people at, I, I live in an apartment building where I, you know, I don't get trick-or-treaters. Um, but some people in my office who live in, like, big trick-or-treating neighborhoods, like, you know, asking them, like, what, what their deal is. And, like, just seeing different people on the internet put up, like, some serious, some not so serious. Like, you know, people being like, we should just shoot the candy out with, like, Nerf guns and stuff. <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> yeah. So, it'll be interesting. Um yeah, I don't I don't really know. Philly I don't think has put out a like citywide, you know, ordinance on it. Um people have definitely gotten gotten pretty good with their uh decorations. Um 
this year I saw. I don't, I, I, you guys probably don't have these yet. I think it's a very Philadelphia specific thing, but we have this invasive bug called the spotted lanternfly. Um, okay, yeah, we don't have that. Yeah, I encourage everybody to look it up because it looks scary <laughs> and they're huge. <laughs> uh, they don't bite you, but they're just, they're huge and like very heavy and they're also like extremely agile. Like they're very hard to kill. They're a huge invasive pest in our area that came over. Um, from on like a lumber shipment from Korea or something. It's like a native bug over there. Um, so it's been a deal for the past two years, but I saw somebody put up this amazing, um, spider web and they put a giant lantern fly in the middle of the spider web. So <laughs> people getting crafty. Very good. Yeah. But you have a new project in the works. Yes, I do. Uh, uh, working on it right now called Monster Hunter for Hire. Oh boy. As uh, as we record this, it's going to be going up a little over a week from now. The plan is uh, make sure I've got my date right. It's the day right after the election. So I hope everybody <laughs> will be over that and oh. they'll be able to turn around and say, okay, let's have some fun again. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, Monster Hunter for Hire. It's, it's about a guy who hunts monsters for a living and he hates every minute of it. Okay. I tell people this character is a cross between uh, Ash from Evil Dead and Al Bundy from Married with Children. Oh. <laughs> he knows okay. how to. He can he can kick ass when he needs to, but he he still complains about it all the while because the thing about hunting monsters is like you know it's dirty, it's dark, uh, you know the things are trying to kill you. It, it's just it's completely unforgiving and thankless. The problem with this this guy's poor trouble is he just he doesn't know how to do anything else. Yeah. So. This is, uh, yeah, it's an anthology comic with uh, 32 pages and four stories. And each story is done by a different artist. So each story looks very distinct and different. And they're all, you know, uh, horror stories about uh, hunting down a monster with a kind of a comedy twist. Because mm -hmm. everything blows up in this poor guy's face. Yeah. Um, what was the, so did you think of the character first and say, you know, where, what kind of fun premise could I throw him in? Or did you think of sort of the premise and say, you know, what, what kind of person would be, you know, just absolutely like sort of the yin to, to the yang of, of this situation? Sure. I think it mostly started with uh, the premise of just hunting like monsters. Uh, specifically, the first story I had was uh, he's tracking down a vampire. And like I said, the story in the end, it, it does not end the way he expects it to. And from there, I just other ideas sort of came up like, uh, you know, well, there's werewolves, there's uh, mummies, there's, there's all kinds of different monsters that this guy can go after. So uh, right now, a, a good just sort of collection of little stories about him going after these things and uh, just how it absolutely doesn't go the way he expects it to, because uh, I guess that's fairly true to life. Nothing quite goes the way we think it's going to when we <laughs> go yeah. out after it. Interesting. So is it are these kind of your traditional like um, universal horror monsters is or, you know, are there sort of unique or lesser kind of known guys? It's kind of a combination. Uh, right now, the, the most well-known would, of course, be the, uh, the vampire. And then, of course, we have a mummy story. And then we have a story with a werewolf. And, but uh, I also have a slightly lesser-known one where I go more to like kind of the, the old mythological, I guess, kind of Celtic origins about a, a giant in the mountains that mm -hmm. he's tracking down. Interesting. Awesome. 
Um, so you mentioned to me when we were first kind of talking about this, that this draws a bit from uh, Tales from the Crypt, which I then said I have never actually seen. <laughs> <laughs> so uh you know i know what it is if it, you know in the in the pop culture sense but um you know sell this to me why why should i now as a, a 28 year old person dive into tales from the crypt well of course you should dive into it after getting my comment okay but, yes uh, <laughs> tales from the crypt okay i i'll set the stage for how i discovered tales from the crypt of course mm -hmm. it started on hbo uh, when I was a kid, HBO, I did not have HBO uh, because my parents did not want to give me unfettered access to R-rated movies. But uh, I knew of HBO because I think my grandparents had it. And so I knew about Tales from the Crypt on HBO, but I just never could see it. Well, at some point, I believe it was a Fox or a Fox affiliate in our area. Somehow they worked out a deal where they could start broadcasting like edited uh, for mainstream versions of Tales from the Crypt, and it started showing up on TV. And I actually knew about this as it was happening. So I jumped at the chance to watch this thing because Tales from the Crypt and HBO, for me, were sort of like forbidden fruit. Like, I'm not supposed mm -hmm. to have this. And they they did the disclaimer at the very beginning that said, you know, uh, the following is only intended for mature audiences, viewer discretion advised. And that too, like a, you know, eight to 10 year old boy is a basically a headline saying, stay tuned for something totally awesome. Yeah. And so I, so I stayed tuned and I watched it and I, every weekend, I think I watched that thing when it was on and every story in it, they're all dark and they're all definitely horror stories uh, because you, know, you have ghosts, you have monster, every type of horror story you could think of, but every single one of them has this really dark, sinister, and kind of amusing twist at the very end of it, every single time without fail. Like that was the formula. Uh, and so you just get so wrapped up in this thing because you're so into it, what's going to happen? And then this big twist happens at the end. And it, it just, I don't know, it just enthralled me as a kid. I loved it. And then of course, who doesn't love the Crypt Keeper as a yes. storyteller? I think that's the, so the only one I know is uh, the Crypt Keeper and mostly in people saying, hey, you look like the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> like when they're trying to insult somebody. Yeah, that, that, that's quite the insult. Uh, yeah, the, the Crypt Keeper is entertaining on his own. He, uh, the, the ridiculously goofy you know, horror puns that he would have. Like, uh, I think he once said, like, somebody sent me a ghost card. And uh, hello, boils and ghouls is the most famous one. <laughs> but yeah, the, the Crypt Keeper, his charisma as a storyteller catches you right away. And the music, if I'm not mistaken, that intro for that series was done by Danny Elfman, who I mm -hmm. think most people now know for like Batman, Beetlejuice, and so many other. He's got such a distinct style. Um, all that packaged together along with these just fantastic stories that you just can't look away from it. And especially if you're into horror like I was and still am, it's, yeah, it's a perfect mashup of great horror comp, just elements all put into one. And so, yeah, seeing that as a kid, that inspired me moving on to the stories that I tell myself. Uh, so definitely a little bit of that influenced in, in this particular collection, because each story, even though, uh, it's the same character throughout and all of his misadventures, you still have like this sort of twist at the end where like what looks like a traditional sort of maybe a, a save the princess scenario by the end is absolutely not. And it's about to 
you know, everything's going to fall apart and bite them in the butt. Nice. Interesting. Um, you mentioning, uh, you know, the sort of forbidden fruit of HBO and Tales from the Crypt. Um, what I was, the probably analogous version of Tales from the Crypt for me was, um, uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Which was this, ah, uh, yes. yeah, this, uh, the Canadian um, produced uh, TV show that like ran on Nickelodeon that, you know, the frame story was the Midnight Society got together to tell each other spooky stories um, <clears throat> so each up, you know, you had sort of these bottle episodes and that sort of thing. But I remember I was like six years old watching this and it was TV Y7 and the cousin of one of my friends who I was watching, we were watching it in like my neighborhood growing up, like very much. It was like, you're, you're six, you can't watch this. It says TV Y7. And I was like enraged that, uh, I was told that I, I was not old enough to watch this. <laughs> being uh you know six months to a year short of the tvy7 mark um but yeah i think that's that's probably what i which you know a lot less fun it sounds like than tales from the crypt um it's different though uh because yeah. that's another one that i i never missed an episode i think i loved it and um i distinctly remember the the introduction for that one is far more terrifying than the introduction for tales from the crypt mm-hmm yeah, the, the, the light the, coming, the 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 uh, match coming on, or whatever it is. The mat. That's how it ended, and the, but before that, it's just this collection of shots after dark that mm -hmm. normally, like during the daytime, wouldn't be a big deal. But it's like there, I remember there was a shot of an abandoned canoe just on the waterfront, and then like I think there was a shot of a playground, and it's all after dark, and nobody's there, but you hear like the sound of kids laughing in the distance along with this really kind of subtle and eerie music and yeah, leading up to that match lighting with the, the text, are you afraid of the dark? It's very subtle and very spooky as opposed to like the tales from the crypt one is very just, I don't know, the best word I got is just bombastic. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the theme stays with you, but it's very kind of, it's goofy horror. Whereas are you afraid of the dark? I, I there were times that show I think was a legitimately, uh, it was just eerie. It stayed with you. Yeah, for sure. Um, the other sort of anthology series you mentioned that I do have much more knowledge of was uh, <laughs> Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh, yes. I loved that book. Um, I, I'm going to tell on my age here, but I discovered that in, in grade school. They had uh, a book fair, and the, they had at that time, I think it was just the first two volumes of it, but they they had those there. And I distinctly remember this. I was like six or seven years old. And they gathered us together in the library. And somebody, I don't know if it was our teacher or the librarian, but they read one of the stories in there. And it was about this, uh, I think it was a minister who goes into this haunted house and meets this ghost of a woman who has no eyes. Ooh. And I think she like, if I remember, she like broke off her finger and gave it to him. And said, you know, use this to find the person who killed me. And he, like the next like church service that he was at, he put it like in the offering plate. <laughs> which is already kind of mm. bizarre. But when he was handing it out to the, the deacons, I guess, or the people who were going to carry the offering plates, like the guy who grabbed the one with her finger and like the finger like grabbed onto him and wouldn't let go. And, and that's how they knew that he was the guy who killed her. Um, 
but and they read this story to a bunch of six and seven year old kids and we all of course loved this thing and i think that book ended up being the most purchased book at that fair and of course i got it and then when i saw that there were other volumes i i got those as well and then i discovered like just a few years ago there was another volume i didn't know about so yeah i jumped at that one too but uh gosh yeah just the stories were great and the artwork in that is fantastic just i don't i don't know I don't know. I don't know how they got the ideas to create this artwork with it, but it's all the same, and it's all just that type of art that I love with horror comics anyway, where it's not like a, a full-on perfect, beautiful picture. It's just kind of little subtle things and then stuff that's off. Mm-hmm. But gosh, I love that series, and I, you know, I think that that inspired a lot of the things I I write today as well. Yeah, yeah. We um, I think we had a we had a similar situation where we definitely got read a story. <laughs> Um, in like, you know, second or third grade or something like that. Um, the one that I always remember, um, was from the first volume called High Beams is the name of the story. Yes. Based on the, yeah, based on the, I guess it's a, based on an urban legend of the sort of guy in the backseat of the car. Um, Mm -hmm. which, you know, the, the. I think this is probably one of the most well-known ones, but basically the premise of it for anyone who, who has not read this story or heard this legend is um, the main character is on a road trip and stops like at a sort of creepy looking rest stop, um, you know, has a, has a bite to eat, gets back in the car, hears on the radio that, you know, a, some sort of convict or, or mental patient has gotten loose um suddenly finds themselves tailgated by a truck that's like flashing their lights at them and honking like crazy um and running them off the road almost and this person's freaking out and eventually they pull off the road and the truck driver pulls off with them and jumps out of the the car to say hey there's a man in your back seat with a knife trying to kill you um and that that shook me as, as a child mm-hmm. <laughs> not just because um you know, that's scary, but just because like the, the concept of doing a twist ending like that, um, was, you know, for a third grader that, you know, was very new. Um, and I feel that a lot of the scary stories to tell in the dark, maybe not, you know, in the same comedy twist that you get in Tales from the Crypt or in your series, but it relies a lot on having it go in a way that you don't expect it to go. Yeah. And uh, so many of those stories, they were masterful at that. Yeah. Yeah, the, the high beams definitely. Like, there's others. I've definitely read others. That one just really stuck with me. Um, and I did see the less than spectacular uh, film version of this that came out last year. I have not seen that yet, and I was, I was thinking of checking that out. You don't recommend it? Um, I recommend it if, in, in this scenario, I'd say go for it, just because it's... You know, it's fun, it's nostalgic. The way that they designed a lot of the sort of monsters and ghosts was to look, you know, a lot like those um, illustrations. Okay. But, um, yeah, in this situation, I say go for it. Um, you know, sitting in the theater, having gone to see it, you know, maybe wasn't my favorite movie I saw, but um, it definitely is nostalgic for those who who grew up reading these Um and they definitely have a, a very good, like, ode to the stories. I just, everything else, you know, the, the frame story and the build around it is a little bit 
not as uh, not as strong as the stories themselves. That's too bad. Maybe they can do a follow-up where they uh, they get it more more close to a, yeah, what it, works. It definitely ended in such a way that they clearly want to to do more, and I mean they have really no shortage of stories that they can use. So yeah, right. awesome. Do you have a do you, so? Do you have a favorite story from Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark? Um, let's see. Uh, a favorite. The one, the two that stuck with me the most are actually the the one you mentioned, High Beams, and then the the story about uh, the girl, mostly because of the artwork, because they showed us. I've never forget. <laughs> they turned it around and showed us the picture of this, you know, dead girl with no eyeballs yeah. to all these six or seven year olds with the uh, scary stories to tell in the dark artwork. Um, uh, I think if I had a favorite at that age, for whatever, just because of its weirdness, was the story of uh, I think it was called "Wait Till Martin Comes." Mm-hmm. I don't know if you you remember that one, Sounds where familiar. it's this story where a guy has to stop. It's you know, written in the days before uh, cell phones and rest stops and everything. This guy is driving home, and it's like this massive storm comes on, and it just he can't even drive through it. And he comes up on this house and he just feels like he absolutely has to take some shelter. So he, he pulls off the road, runs up to the house and you knocks on the door and nobody answers. And then he sees that the door is open. So he kind of peeks inside and, you know, calls out for anybody like, hello, sorry, I'm, I'm not invading your home. I'm just stranded. It's a storm and I really just need some shelter until it passes. Of course, there's no answer. And he finds out that the house is abandoned. So he, he just decides to go in and just wait out the storm. He finds like this sofa or whatever, and he just sits there and waits. And he, he sees this little cat wander in at some point. And um, the cat just kind of looks at him weird and just goes over and sits in a corner. And then later on, this a much bigger cat comes in, like about the size of a small dog. The That cat walks over to the smaller cat and looks over at the guy and then looks back at the small cat and says, well, what are we going to do with him? And the small cat just says, oh, wait till Marvin comes. And of course, the guy's pretty freaked out that these cats are talking. <laughs> and then, like, so another minute later, like, another cat comes in. It's even bigger than the first one. It's, like, the size of, you know, like a full-blown Labrador. And uh, the Labrador-sized cat walks over and says, okay, what are we going to do with him? And the little cat says, don't worry about it. Wait wait till Marvin comes. And, of course, the guy's even more freaked out. And then, eventually, another cat walks in, like, enormous cat the size of a panther walks in and says, well, what are we going to do with him? And of course, same thing. Yeah, just wait till Marvin comes. So at this point, the guy is just so freaked out. He just jumps up and runs back out into his car and yells. And just before he gets in, he yells inside the house, tell Marvin I couldn't wait. Oh, <laughs> boy. That is the thing about um, those stories is a lot of them do. And I think maybe in editions they they have out now, they kind of break them up um, into more comedy versus like the actual really spooky ones. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, some of them had just a real, a real comedy twist on these like horrifying situations. And and they would delve into uh, what I, what I call just really good weird where mm-hmm. it's like it just there's no real answer or reason for why things the way they are it but it's just off from what you normally know and they don't give you any explanation for it like that story you have these talking cats and we never find out who Marvin is and that's just where the story ends and that that's all you get it's like the and, um, uh, the horror version of waiting for Godot yeah <laughs> uh 
I, another one I remember, if I, I don't know all perfectly, but there was, it was this girl who uh, like never missed church ever. Every, every day she was there bright and early for church. And one day she heard the church bells really early and she thought, well, that's weird. It's earlier than it's supposed to, but I must be late. So she jumped up and ran into church and she goes, she sits down and she looks around. It's just really kind of weird. Everybody there is looking at her like, what are you doing here? And she looks around, most doesn't recognize a lot of people. And then finally she looks over to her left and she recognizes a woman who had actually like passed away a year ago. And, but here she was in this church. service. like, what's going on? This is, this doesn't make any sense. And the woman at one point noticed her and like leans over and says, what are you doing here? And you know, the, the young woman says, well, it's church. I didn't want to miss it. And she says, you can't be here. You have got to get out of here now. And when she looks back around the church, the other people start standing up, like they're going to come after her. And so she immediately jumps up and runs out the door. And as she's running out the door, someone like reaches out and grabs a hold of her coat and she just, you know, wriggles her way out of it and runs out the door. And then like uh, the next day when she comes back to find her coat, she finds it's just all ripped to shreds. Ooh. And that's the story. <laughs> Creepy. Yeah. The, the, the scary stories to tell in the dark, they were, they were just masters of all that. It was so yeah, good. For sure. I, I, Reread them, the and you know the original first. You know now there's several follow-ups, but the original first book, um, about two years ago, I guess, um, was the most recent time I read it. It holds up. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> definitely still very creepy. Um, but awesome. So you mentioned, uh, you know, ideally it's going to be you know maybe a couple days out from when this episode goes up you're going to be launching a kickstarter for this project correct as we're talking now i do have a preview page so uh that should still be up by the time this drops uh people can look that up at tinyurl.com slash monster hunter kickstarter tried to make that quick and simple for folks yeah and of course i'm sure you can uh, just get in the search engine on kickstarter itself and find it there but uh, yeah, it will launch on the 4th, and we're, I'm going to offer you know digital versions if people only want that. And of course, I'm also going to offer printed versions, and then we're going to throw in just some bundle packages where people can get you know this along with previous things, including uh, pack, back issues of Moby Dick, Back from the Deep, and uh, your favorite, Jesus Christ, <laughs> Demon Slayer, if people want to jump in on that one. And yeah, we're, we're also other goodies as well, you know, like uh, t-shirts and thank you page and uh, even a chance to uh, have your name on the cover if you want to. Oh, nifty. Um, great. So yeah, so they will be, uh, do you want to go into the specific tiers or just let people know that those uh, goodies are out there when they, when they go into the Kickstarter? Oh, that really covers it. I think uh, if you want to get more specific about them, you can look it up and find it. It's uh I don't have much more than that. Like I said, it, like you got the, the comic itself. We've got bundle packages. We've got both digital and print versions. And uh, if you want to really go big, we've got the T-shirt, which uh, I kind of like. It's got the, the Monster Hunter for Hire logo. And then underneath it, just in tiny letters, like, you know, hey, it's 11. <laughs> nice. Good. Good taglines are, uh, as we mentioned <laughs> at the beginning of this, at the beginning of this episode, uh, I am I am not the tagline or title person, so. Love a good tagline. Um, <laughs> great. I'm, I'm so still you, working on it for this one. Well, it's, it's closer than what I have right now for mini splatter chatter episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, awesome. So we'll definitely keep an eye out for that. Uh, and we will share it on 
uh, our own feeds as well. And, you know, maybe this is how I, I, I finally dive into uh, my... Uh, I, it's funny because I explain to people this, like, I'll be like, oh, yeah, there's this comic that's, like, about, you know, this, like, really buff version of Jesus, like, going down to, you know, fight the devil and, like, all this other stuff. Um, so maybe this is, maybe this is my time to, to help the, help <laughs> the next one that. along and, you know, finally, finally dive into that. One of the, the most ironic things about that story is, you know, they, they say uh, when you write a story, every character is like a little piece of you. Uh, the one that really gave voice to me the most ended up being the devil. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know what, actually, I feel that's probably I, better than saying the, the burly version of, of Jesus is, is the one you, you know, the one anyone feels they are most, uh, most yeah, I, like. I can't, I can't claim that he spoke for me very much, but the devil yeah. certainly did. Nice. Awesome. That's exciting. Those characters are always fun. I do love when a good sort of, uh, when you can say the, the villain or the antagonist is, uh, your favorite character, or at least has been the most fun to write. He was, um, talking about that series, um, like Jesus as a character throughout that, I kept him like this very pure for lack of a better word. Um, just because his whole mission is to help mankind. And so throughout the whole thing, all this stuff is thrown at him, you know, like monsters, like giant demons. So like they, they try tempting him, they try brute force, nothing really does it. And so what ultimately the last one to come at him is of course, Lucifer himself. And the way he tries to do it is to get inside his head. And, you know, one of the things he tells him is like, you know, all these, you know, all this uh, stuff you're preaching and whatever, it's not that they're not going to do it. It's that they're going to turn around and do a bunch of horrible stuff and claim to be doing it for you. And that's, that's the one that really messes with Jesus on his whole mission. Like, wow, is it really worth it? Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's, you know, and that's one of the things that I love, I think about the the horror genre is just, you know, it has the ability to get at things that are so like such a visceral and, you know, pure rendering of a universal, um, you know, whether it be a universal fear or a universal theme. Um, and I think that's a, probably a great example of it. Yeah, it really can. Like, and just little, and just kind of dig into things that make you uncomfortable, not just in the sense of like, uh, you know, you, you are, you have a fear of spiders. So here, here's something about spiders, but just something that like really sort of gets under your skin and makes you uncomfortable and makes you have to kind of stop and think how you would deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, it'll be, it's, I think that's also too, um, you know, talking about back at the beginning with, uh, Hill House and Bly, I feel Mike Flanagan does that very well, um, as a sort of modern and topical example of, uh, horror that's, you know, you know, we joke that, you know, with Hill House and stuff, we say like, oh yeah, the real horror is emotions, but you know, that is still horror, you know, it's not just creepy spiders or like, you know, thinking of like Stephen King, like haunted cars and that sort of thing. It's, you know, it's very innate and, um, you know, within the internal world and, you know, even Jesus has uh, his moments of horror. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Hill House did a great job with that where they uh, like just dealing with tragedy. I mean, that's the whole story is that they're dealing with this tragedy that's going on in their lives and uh, and that's where it all springs from. And I, you, you don't see that done 
a lot and if you do not very well mm-hmm. with horror i don't think and i feel like that and uh, i think stephen king can really be a master of doing it one of the most recent examples he had was probably in dr sleep because that's one where i actually read the book before i saw the movie and in both both interpretations the scene where the uh the steam vampires uh killed this little boy is just so horrifying and awful to see because not because it's uh, graphic or bloody or whatever or violent, but it's just what they're doing to this innocent child. That's that's the real horror that's going on there. And part of what made the the ending where the, the you know the villains get their comeuppance so satisfying. Yeah, for sure, awesome. Um, so with we're recording this now, as we said, uh, six days out from Halloween. Um, so if any anyone out there, let's assume somebody out there hasn't you know has been putting off you know, getting into sort of spooky mood or, you know, putting off watching things or reading things. Um, between now and Halloween, what is one thing that you would say to this uh, fictional person that they need to read or they need to watch? Let's say that they have, you know, a day off from work to achieve this. You have to watch Hocus Pocus. <sighs> that is a tradition in our household. Hocus Pocus is so fantastic. We love that movie so much. Yes. It's so good. Um, I'm trying to think of something that's a bit spookier. Um, for me, uh, if you can get a chance to watch Nightmare on Elm Street, that remains my favorite slasher film of all time. And if you have a lot of time on your hands, if you can ever get your hands on any of those old hammer horror films, the gothic ones with Dracula and Frankenstein, mm-hmm. those are really fantastic. It's actually, I actually thought about, uh, diving into those recently just because I, I, you know, as I mentioned on our last, uh, episode that we did on the mask of the red death i have been on a um like a kick of the uh corman poe cycle um Mm -hmm. and then i was like well why not go back even farther like let's just you know dive into the hammer horror and universal monsters and all that so i love universal i have like the entire library of those those are really good as well yeah so um which you know was actually a bummer the uh they tried to do a sort of remake of those films that just sort of fell flat um they were so desperate to, to create like a the universal monster version of the marvel universe yeah that nobody ever stopped and thought you know we should probably come up with a plan like marvel did yeah um awesome i would agree hocus pocus definitely i mean we all probably could recite it backwards in our sleep but you know that's the point um i have noticed i've watched it a couple times and it's been on freeform obviously a few times during this month and they um blurred out the phone number that max gives to allison because i guess it's somebody's real number and they were sick of like getting phone calls you know when he hands oh, her his, his phone number in class um it just says 555 dash and then the rest of it's blurred out oh that's funny um I, I, one thing I'll, I'll say about hocus pocus is we have actually been to the denison house Ooh. uh we made a point uh, a couple years ago, we wanted to visit Salem, Massachusetts, and it was because of Hocus Pocus that we decided to do it. Mm-hmm. And so we, we set out like all the different shooting locations for that movie and like every single shot in that film where it's actually in um, Salem, like we were there. The, the, nice. the, of course, the Denison house, the, the cemetery where uh, Max loses his shoes, we were there. 
uh, we were there at the the schoolhouse where the the teachers, or not not the teachers, sorry, the the witches ended up getting uh, burned in the the kiln. Mm-hmm. And of course, while we were there, we ended up discovering even more of just the fascinating history about Salem, which. That would be a whole other podcast to tell you all of that yes. cool stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I visited Salem a couple years ago, and now they actually do a Hocus Pocus tour. Like, you can pay, you know, instead of doing the footwork yourself, I guess, you can pay to have somebody take oh. you to the shooting <laughs> locations. Um, yeah, no, I found Salem a lot of fun. I never went, I didn't end up going to any of the Hocus Pocus locations while I was there, but definitely bounced around. Um, I was there for... Three days? I feel like three days was not enough. Uh, yeah, I think we were there four, and we, we wanted so much. We were really planning to go this year, but COVID yeah. happened, and yeah. we had to cancel it. We, we were, we're still bummed about that one. But someday we'll go back. Yeah, and there's, you know, um, this great – I don't know if we mentioned it uh, on the podcast at all. It's actually a book that Craig owns that he was given as a gift that I now have because – you know, he lent me books before, you know, back when we thought we would be able to just give each other books back easily and not have to, you know, disappear from everyone's <laughs> lives for a year. Um, called Season with the Witch. Um, that was mm-hmm. written by a travel writer who took his family and moved to Salem for the month of October. Like they rented an Airbnb and they were like, we're just going to live here and learn about it and experience Halloween in Salem. Um and it's really great. I mean, it's it's part, um, you know, travel log, part history book. Um, and he doesn't just stick to, to Salem itself. He also travels to other parts of Boston that were related to the events of Salem, to other parts of, um, like, farther north, like Danvers and that sort of thing, and, you know, the wider sort of Lovecraft country and that sort of thing. Um, so in lieu of, you know, getting to go to Salem during October. Um, it is a very good read. And he has a whole section on Hocus Pocus. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. well, I'll have to keep that one in mind because that does sound good. Yeah. I'm sure I'd, I'd get into that. No, it was, it was awesome. Um, yeah, so thank you for uh, coming on here and uh, sharing your, your next uh, comic with us and, you know, all these, you know, teaching me a bit about um, some horror <laughs> that I really do need to you know, some of the horror that the, the young whippersnappers out yeah. there don't know about. It is funny because my, my mom is big on like Turner classic films and that's, you know, like that channel, uh, TCM, I guess. And, um, I believe they play like edited versions of tales from the crypt sometimes on there oh. or one of those <laughs> channels. So I said, you know, I'll walk by and see something. Um, but now maybe I should, maybe I've got, maybe that's, that's my recommendation to myself between now and Halloween to, there's, there's a the lot to thing. dive into. <laughs> I think there are like seven or eight seasons of it. I mean, that show went on a long time. Yeah. Well, but they're quick episodes. They're all about roughly a half hour. Mm-hmm. So, so that helps. Oh, that's good. So it's not like, you know, HBO now where it's like 70 minute episodes. <laughs> yeah. Everything is super long and yeah. Awesome. No, it's not quite that intense. Great. Awesome. Well, uh, where can people get in touch with you? We mentioned the Kickstarter, but, you know, where can they find your work? Where can they find you on social media? All that stuff. Sure. Uh, I have my own website. If anybody is still looking up websites, I'm on mattshore.net. If I need to spell that, that's M-A-T-T-S-C-H-O-R-R.net. And on social media, you can find me on Twitter at the Matt Shore. 
also on Instagram at the shore. And uh, my wife and I manage our Facebook page, which has all of our uh, information, same information about uh, this project and the things that I do, as well as all of our Halloween decorations. You can find us on there, uh, facebook.com slash shore manor. And you can also look Shore Manor up on YouTube where we do uh, walkthroughs about our house and, and I'll have a, a trailer up for this project there as well. Um, if you need it, I did create a tiny URL for that one. You can find a tinyurl.com slash Shore Manor YouTube because I, I created it with one of those original ones and I've never been able to make it simple. <laughs> gotcha. Awesome. <laughs> it's still like some old like Hollywood in the name or whatever. Nice. Awesome. Um, and if anyone out there wants to get in touch with us, we are, um, on Twitter at splatter chatter, six, six, six minus all the vowels. As always, if that is too difficult to type, to think about, just type splatter chatter, we'll pop right up. Uh, you can email us at splatter chatter, six, six, nine at gmail.com. Um, and you can find us on Tumblr at splatterchatter.tumblr.com. We also have a blog, which I can never remember the new URL, configuration of it is on our twitter um and i will have a post up hopefully by the time this episode airs um kind of expounding upon some things i mentioned in the um mask of red death episode about the slasher genre and then i will likely have some thoughts to share with you uh, about the haunting of Lime manor uh, hopefully all those things will be up by halloween and you can have some some nice reading while you stay in safely and do nothing and wear a mask, as I hope you all yes, will do. Yes, I will, I will second that as well. <laughs> yes. The, the real horror is other people right now. Yes, <laughs> stay safe so that we can have Halloween next year. Yeah, yes. There will always be another Halloween, as long as you do this. Um, great. great, awesome. Well, thank you again, Matt, so much for being on here. Um, it's always fun hearing you talk about these writing projects and just the imagination behind... Uh, the concepts of these is, is always really fun. Well, thank you. And thank you so much for helping me get the word out. I appreciate it. No problem. All right. Uh, until next time, let's see if I can do Craig's outro as well as he does. Until ex next time, we will say au revoir, adios, and that's the done.